just got in from the Isle of Skye. I'm not very big, I am awfully shy. The ladies shout as I go by. Donald, where's your trousers? Let the winds blow high, let the winds blow low. Down the street in my kilt I go, and all the ladies say hello. Donald, where's your trousers? A lady asked me to the ball, and it was slippery in the hall. And I was afraid that I might fall, for I didn't have on my trousers. Let the winds blow high, let the winds blow low. Down the street in my kilt I go, and all the ladies say hello. Donald, where's your trousers? To wear the kilt is my delight. It isn't wrong, I know it's right. The island girls would get uptight if they saw me in trousers. Let the winds blow high, let the winds blow low. Down the street in my kilt I go, and all the ladies say hello. Donald, where's your trousers? They'd like to add me, everyone. Just let them catch me if they can. You cannot take the brakes off a Highland man who doesn't like wearing trousers. Let the winds blow high, let the winds blow low. Down the street in my kilt I go. And all the ladies say hello. Donald, where's your trousers? I caught a cold and my nose was raw. I had no handkerchief at all. So I hiked up my kilt and I gave it a blow. Now you can't do that with trousers. Let the winds blow high, let the winds blow low. Down the street in my kilt I go, and all the ladies say hello. Donald, where's your trousers? I did that song in honor of a friend of mine, Anna, who's leaving town. Uh, 4.30 in the morning a couple days ago, a guy wandered into her house wearing no trousers. <laughs> and being the nice person she is, she loaned him trousers and shoes. <laughs> he was a little drunk, but yeah. it was. we were talking about, you know, what is the best stories of her in Carbondale? And literally, the night before, that was the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made a new story of Carbondale up here. So, today in history, today is Friday, August 17th, the 229th day of 2007. There are 136 days left in the year. Yes. Yep. Well, today in history, one year ago, a federal judge in Detroit ruled that President Bush's warrantless surveillance program violated the rights to free speech and privacy as well as the separation of powers enshrined in the Constitution. The administration said it would appeal. <laughs> and I think they have. Uh, what's a bit of domestic spying among friends? It's like... There's nothing wrong with that, is there? And then, August could be hotter than normal. <laughs> this was obviously written before August came around. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if you want more information, um, ejsweather.com. So, let's get to some happenings. Yes, happenings. Well, let's see, what do we have for happenings today? Oh, yes, we have this one. Rosetta is having a sizzling summer sidewalk event this Saturday and Sunday. They're having special hours on Sunday from 12 to 5. 
and uh, a sizzling summer sidewalk sale this Saturday and Sunday. Yes, I said it all. A lot uh, of S's. Yes, a lot of uh, amazing, adventurous alliteration there. Yep. They're going to continue their discussion of uh, Barbara Kingsolver's Animal Vegetable Miracle at their next meeting of their book club, which is Tuesday, August 28th at 6 p.m. at the Town Square Market. That's for the Food Book Club. And the, the date for the next fiction book club has not been set, but they have this great book that I actually picked up and read it. It is about, um, well, circuses in and during the Depression and about how a guy hustled his way onto the circus um, to, well, be able to get food. <laughs> but it's called Water for Elephants. So, in other happenings, the RBF Dome, which is the R. Buckminster Fuller Dome, will be recognized at the August 21st Carbondale City Council for being acknowledged by the American Institute of Architects, Illinois Council, as one of the 115 Illinois Great Places. You can take out the great company the dome is in at IllinoisGreatPlaces.com. And if you are close to Carbondale, please join the RFB, RF, RB, <laughs> RBF Dome at the Carbondale City Council at 7 p.m. Yeah, the Carbondale City Hall. So, um, I guess it's pretty much every, t I mean, the dome doesn't seem like much when you drive past it, but it is a very, very important historical icon. Yeah. So. It's very historic and it's very, uh, you know, once you get inside and once you learn more about it, uh, you understand it better. So let's see, there's also this happening. The Arbor District will be holding its second annual neighborhood yard sale on August 25th. That's from 8 a.m. until noon. The RBF Dome will be selling its Dimaxian Sundays there, which is allegedly Bucky's favorite sweet treat. And there will be t-shirts, Roam Home to a Dome CDs, and copies of Carbondale After Dark by H.B. Koplowitz. Okay, so yeah, I've, I've, it's an interesting book. I've seen that. <laughs> Um, other happenings in our region, Veterans for Peace National Convention Speak Out, which is actually... Yes, that's actually today. Yep. Today, August 17th from 7 to 10 p.m. This is in St. Louis at the Centenary Methodist Church. Speakers include Phyllis Bennis, Dennis Kucinich, and National... Uh, leaders of Iraq Veterans Against the War, Military Family Speakout, Gold Star Family Speakout. Entertainment is provided, free and open to the public. Details are online at instead-of-war.org or v vfpnationalconvention.org. Yeah, that reminds me of a funny video I saw online recently, actually. It had uh, Dennis Kucinich was Peace Man, kind of like Batman, and... Uh, they had uh, Cheney was the Changuin, like the penguin. <laughs> the Changuin. <laughs> yeah, and it was Peace Man versus the Changuin, and the fight between the two of them. And it was a mix of like uh, actual factual stuff that had happened, like you know, Kucinich challenging, uh, you know, war-related stuff, and uh, Cheney denying stuff. And then at the end, it had like 
uh, an actual fight scene from one of the old Batman TV movies. <laughs> Did you happen to see the or any clips from the CNN YouTube debate? Uh, which one was that? Um, well, basically, YouTube um, said they want, accepted questions from anybody, uh-huh. and then they had a debate on CNN where those questions or those little video clips uh-huh. were played, and then the candidates had to answer them. Huh. No, I didn't see so that. So it was not a scripted at all. <laughs> you know, most debates are very heavily scripted. They know what the questions are in advance, etc. It was very interesting to see some of the answers that people, most of them tried to, I mean, I was very angry with both Clinton and Obama because they would almost never answer the question. They would basically just parrot their party line. (laughs) Yeah. They just memorize the platform and then think, let's see, which section do I read now? (laughs) Exactly. They would just like scroll through their mind, which section of their platform do they read out? And that's pretty much what happened. But um, at the very end of the YouTube debate, the question was, look to your right and say something, um, let's see, bad, and look to your left and say something good <laughs> about the candidate, or the vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, um, it, there was a few times it made me laugh. <laughs> like one guy, there was one um, guy cradling a gun. He was like, this is my baby. How are you going to protect it? <laughs> and one of the candidates said... Well, if that's his baby, we're all in trouble. And then he's like, oh, no, no, I didn't really say that. Don't come after me. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So Sounds like good fun. Yeah. Sounds like Web 2.0 <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> and so the next one will be the Republican YouTube debate. But so far, um, Giuliani and um, I forget who else I th- um, are are saying they they have a scheduling conflict. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, they want to come, but they have a scheduling conflict. Someone, you know, some kind of $1,000 plate dinner or something. I don't know. Yeah. They had to uh, take a nap that day. <laughs> <laughs> Another happening this Sunday, the National March Through the Arch, Funding the War is Killing Our Troops. This Sunday, August 19th, at 10.30 a.m. till noon, Meet at the corner of 9th and Cole, downtown St. Louis. Um, it may be hot, so of course bring water and dress comfortably. Again, for more information, instead of war.org or vfpnationalconvention.org or 314-725-5303. That's this Sunday, March Through the Arch. Yes. So I do have one more happening, actually, that I just got uh, late yesterday. Late breaking. Um, I know a lot of local artists, and so I always try to mention their things on the air. And uh, Maddie Shannon, who's a local glassblower who also works at the Neighborhood Co-op, he will be performing this Saturday at the Neighborhood Co-op Grocery in Carbondale from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. He'll be doing his glassblowing, and he'll be making jars and goblets, and he'll have glass art for sale. And it's pretty exciting stuff. I've bought a goblet from him that's really nice. And it's fun to watch him, like, you know, he puts the glass over the fire and it turns liquid, you know. It's like, it's so strange to see glass turn into a liquid. Yeah. (laughs) So if you would like your happenings to make it on the show, please email our general email, which is info at, I forgot, is it info or news? I think it's info. Send it to both of them, just to be (laughs) self. 
info or news at <laughs> now they're going to write info or news yeah <laughs> so info at your community yeah. and just in case you didn't know we have a website your community spirit.org yes so that was halfway through the show it was and halfway through the show then we got through the happenings we'll be right back I'm getting a catcher's mitt. I'm getting ice skates. I'm getting a jigsaw puzzle. I'm getting dying coral reefs. A blue bicycle. A walkie-talkie. I'm getting a severe drought. Cool black skateboard. I'm getting melted ice caps. A killer heat wave. A shrinking glacier. I'm getting a devastating flood. Adults are generous. We're even giving kids global warming. But it's not too late. We can still reduce greenhouse gas pollution. Go to fightglobalwarming.com. Brought to you by Environmental Defense, the Robertson Foundation, and the Ad Council. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. We did that little clip about global warming. Dust to dust, NASA recalculates. 1998 becomes the second hottest year in the U.S., the year 1998 has dropped from the hottest year ever in the U.S. thrown after NASA revised calculations allowing Dust Bowl-affected 1934 to claim the title. Despite triumphant cackling from climate skeptics, the rejiggering does not affect global climate records and really is, for all intents and purposes, technically, globally. 1998 is still tied with 2005 for the hottest year ever recorded. Straight to the source, the Los Angeles Times, the 15th of August, 2007. Yeah, and that's an important one to read, too, because uh, I've, you know, over the week I've read a story that was like a, a so-called skeptic article saying, oh, you know, this, this shows that now global warming is a myth. No. <laughs> well, do you realize that NASA has recently changed their mission statement to exclude the protection of Earth in their mission <laughs> statement? yeah. They did. I mean... We've mentioned that before, but it's important to consider restating. Yeah, I mean, it used to be, you know, they would go out into the worldwide wonder of the universe with the ideas that anything they do is for the good of Earth. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, quietly, they removed the for Earth in there. (laughs) So it's the good of what? Yeah. So... That's a good question. Yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up again. Okay, so in other news, dying for a change. Pollution causes some 40% of deaths worldwide, says new research. Here's one small reason to join the Save the Environment cause. New research indicates that some 40% of all deaths worldwide are a direct effect of air, water, and soil pollution. Dirty air contributes to cancer and birth defects, Unclean water accounts for 80% of all infectious diseases, and contaminated soil passes toxics to unwitting humans through direct contact or through food. According to researchers' review of data from more than 120 published papers, pollution combined with population growth contributes to malnourishment and disease susceptibility in 3.7 billion people. Now that's about 57% of the world population. 57%? Yep. Wow. So 57% of people are affected by that. Uh, In 1950, when a mere 2.5 billion humans roamed the Earth, only 20% of the population was malnourished. 
says lead researcher David Pimentel, quote, We have serious environmental resource problems of water, land, and energy, and these are now coming to bear on food production, malnutrition, and the incidence of disease. Straight to the source, Science Daily, uh, the Ithaca Journal, 13th of August, 2007. And technically, Americans are actually malnourished. That is the primary cause of obesity. Yeah. It's people are not getting enough nourishment and therefore have to eat. or They're not getting proper nourishment. Yeah. And we're not getting proper nourishment and therefore we tend to be obese because we tend to eat more to try to get the same nourishment to survive. Yeah. That's one of the things I learned about and actually experienced with uh, like when I was on the raw foods diet and, you know, trying to eat healthy foods. I, I would eat healthy foods and feel more nourished than I did when I ate fast food. You know, you eat fast food, you could just keep eating it forever because there's not really much to it, not right. really much in it. It's so overdone, over... Yeah. And that's why they put so much fat in because fat makes it taste good. Yeah. So it's over fat, over salted to make it so that it tastes good enough to eat. <laughs> yeah. And then you never get healthy. <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's the most interesting thing about fast food you know, a fast food burger, a dollar fast food burger does not include the cost of the coronary bypass surgery. <laughs> no, that's that's extra. <laughs> it's like, so, I threw this one just for you, Treesong. The $30,000 electric car in 2009. The XS500 by the Miles Automotive Group. Ever since we first heard about the Tesla Roadster... Folks have been drooling over its sexy looks <laughs> and lamenting its six-figure price tag. Well, that works for Jay Leno and Condoleezza Rice. Many of the rest of us are left to smile nicely and hoping that someone comes up with a battery-powered zero-emission, while it's driving at least, zero-emission car. While Zap has promised a few, one is a 644-horsepower SUV and wasn't isn't even a car. It has three wheels. So, yeah, the market is still missing the sub $30,000 electric sedan until now. Maybe. Miles Automotive Group, featured recently at CNN Money, is promising the $30,000 Miles XS500 to reach a top speed of 80 miles per hour and a range of 120 miles an hour at 60 miles per hour. Six hours of charging at a normal wall socket will top the batteries off. Founder of Miles Per Gallon Rubin says he'll have six prototypes of the X500 by fall, but they still need tinkering to get safety approved from the U.S. regulators. Plus, do an additional battery testing, meaning the real deal won't be here until 2009. Quote, the cars will speak for themselves. You can PR it to death, but if it doesn't perform well, it's dead on arrival, he said. We'll just have to wait and see how true that is. Straight to the source, Miles automotive group via a cnn money so huh. yeah that sounds pretty promising and um last weekend at the illinois renewable energy fair right across from my booth was the zen car huh. z-e-n-n stands for zero emissions no noise it's a actual car in production now made in canada um basically until they can get you know um safety approval they cannot sell it as a car. Mm -hmm. So what they've done is they've programmed the computer so it won't go over 25 miles an hour. <laughs> and therefore, you don't have to get safety approval because it's considered a uh, neighborhood electric vehicle. Yeah. So that you can't get you know 
plates for it. You don't have to get, um, you know, s- plates for it. Yeah, it's like and a golf cart, basically. Basically. <laughs> I mean, um, but have you seen, I'm trying to think of a comparison. It's bigger than a Metro. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, the Toyota Yaris. It's probably about the same size as the Toyota Yaris. I've probably seen it. I'm not yeah. good with cars, though. You know, it's <laughs> a small car, very small car, four-seater, or, you know, bench seat in the back, two seats in the front, so maybe squeeze five people in it. It's got a decent-sized trunk, and um, it definitely had umph. I mean, uh-huh. you, you, I floored it, and I spun out. <laughs> I mean, it was really nice, fun little car to drive. I was the first one to drive it. Yeah. I, I told him I'm gonna my booth's gonna start as soon as the show starts. Can I drive it before everything starts? They made you sign a paper, you know, um, with your information on it, and they said for every person who test drove it, they'd plant 25 trees. Huh. Oh, that's so cool. I planted 25 trees by te- test driving an electric vehicle. <laughs> yeah, sounds like. Just- <laughs> Sounds like my kind of good time. Oh yeah, Planted so. twenty-five trees by test driving an electric. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely a fun little car, and I was the only one that they didn't get in the car with. Huh. I don't know why. I was watching them all day, huh. and everybody else, the guy got in with the car. Yeah, and they would turn around right in front of my booth. Huh. So I watched one guy almost parked in my booth trying to turn it around. <laughs> I guess he just wasn't a good driver. Yeah. But they're like, like, oh, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. So. And it was just push button. I mean, literally, it had a, a toggle switch, a, a nice one, that you would put it, you know, reverse, neutral, or forward. <laughs> and then you'd hit the button. I mean, you, you hit the pedal. Yeah. You know. So. Um, Sounds like fun. Yeah. No, I got some pictures, so. I would show you, but I already downloaded them off my camera. So yeah, I think in the next couple of years, these electric cars are going to become more uh, popular. Like I think they're going to break through to the mainstream market. Well, if you think about it, there's a lot of us who have two cars, um, two family cars, uh, two car families. Yes. <laughs> so if you have just your electric car for driving to and from work, the average person drives less than 30 miles a day. Yeah. You have the electric car for doing that, and then you have the hybrid for long trips. I mean, um, or you rent a car for long trips. I mean, that's that's definitely the way to go. Yeah. So. And I think these miles automotive people may be beating uh, Tesla to the punch, because part of Tesla's strategy is they make this really fancy high-end car, and then they make like a less fancy middle-end car, and then they build down to low. Right. <laughs> Well, I mean, the thing is, is even with their $100,000 car, they, they're they all pre-ordered. Yeah. And, I mean, they needed to do that to be able to build a factory. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, I mean, there are a lot of electric vehicles on the market from India, China, now Canada, um, in Europe. But most of them are, you know, less than 45 miles per um The fast thing goes like 45. <laughs> so... Which is good enough for around town, but most of us are not willing to pay, you know, twelve to fourteen thousand dollars for a car that can't go over forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. We better get with the news here. Yes. Let's see. In other news, oh, I want to read this one because uh, I have a friend who just uh, graduated nursing school and I think is working in ICU stuff right now. I'm not sure, but title of this one: Peekaboo ICU. <laughs> Hospitals opt for less toxic medical equipment. 
as the wee tots who end up in neonatal intensive care tend to be a bit on the vulnerable side, leading medical organizations are urging hospitals to swap medical equipment containing icky chemical DEHP, which can include IV tubing and blood bags, to switch that for safer alternatives. The good news? Some DEHP-free products are cheaper and lighter than their toxic counterparts. The bad news? Some manufacturers are reluctant to disclose which of their products contain the chemical, citing trade secrets. Straight to the source, USA Today, 14th of August, 2007. Remember we were talking about the Indiana BP refinery that they were trying to spew more junk into the into the lakes? Oh, yeah. Um, if it's not too much trouble, EPA suggests wishy-washy compromise and Indiana BP permit mess. Officials from the U.S. EPA have stepped in to quell the fur, fur over a controversial permit the state of Indiana granted to a BP refinery. The permit will allow BP to discharge more ammonia and sludge into Lake Michigan, at legal limits, no less, but increased over previous amounts. Residents and politicians in Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and nationwide are up in arms over the decision. Several city councils have passed resolutions opposing it, as has the U.S. House of Representatives. At least one Chicago alderman is calling for a BP boycott, and Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels, Republican, has called for a review of the state's permitting process. So what's EPA's solution to the whole mess? The agency, meeting with the company officials, will nicely ask BP to invest in nearby pollution reduction projects like sewer upgrades and shoreline restoration. Quote, if BP Caner won't do more on its own facility, says EPA Regional Administrator Mary Gadd, perhaps they can do more to protect the lake in other ways. Straight to the source, Chicago Tribune, The Times, Chicago Sun-Times, Indiana Indianapolis Star, the 14th and 15th of August. Hmm. So. So let's see. Oh, I like this one about the solar-powered mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Made me think of a little rodent, but it's talking about computers. (laughs) Solar-powered mouse being tested. Uh, Deaf University of Technology has uh, built a solar-powered mouse, testing whether renewable energy products with higher functionality and a touch of design, can encourage users to adopt modern and consistently sustainable conduct. They even have the Ministry of Housing and the Environment using one. They are testing the willingness of the user to adapt their behavior to favorable light conditions by regularly charging the mouse with daylight from the window. And the computer... Oh, by... On the computer... Adjusting their computer usage pattern as well. With solar energy, under ideal circumstances, the charging can occur a factor of five times quicker than in the current situation. It's estimated that globally, several hundred million batteries could be saved annually. And saving those batteries is a big deal, because batteries have a lot of, you know, chemicals that go into them. (laughs) Well, this has uh, hopefully been another exciting and informative half hour of your community spirit. We wanted to uh, leave you with a tribute to Bush's brain. In case you didn't know, Karl Rove, otherwise known as Bush's brain, has retired. Yes. And since Bush has a 30% approval rating, I wonder what kind of approval rating he will get now that he has no brain. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, and I didn't have the time to find a funny song to play, but uh, 
Karov was one of the many people involved in a thing called the Project for a New American Century, like this big think tank that tried to plan how to uh, take over the world for the neoconservatives. So in honor of Karl Rove's participation in that, since that's probably the only people who would take him back now, <laughs> I've got a song called New American Century. And I want to remind you that even though it cooled down a little bit, this is still the time to enjoy the forest and the waterways of southern Illinois, because that is why most of us live here. <laughs> 